Welcome to Bible Fiber. I am Shelley Neese, president of the Jerusalem Connection, a Christian organization devoted to sharing the story of the people of Israel, both ancient and modern. In over 70 episodes over the course of two years, we have done a deep dive into the 12 minor prophets, a month-long mini-course on why prophecy ended, and then tackled the post-exilic books of Ezra and Nehemiah. The next book on the horizon for Bible Fiber is Ezekiel. But before we start a new book, I'm giving a mini-course on the peoples of the Bible. One of the many things we have learned since October 7th is that neighbors really matter. And neighbors can be very problematic for the tiny nation of Israel. Israel did not exist in a bubble during biblical times, and it does not live in a bubble now. This week we are learning about the Babylonians, one empire that seems to have permeated the entire Old Testament story. The name Babylon occurs 289 times in the Hebrew Scriptures, starting in Genesis and ending with Habakkuk. In Genesis, Babylon is not credited for its antiquity. Even though the story of the Tower of Babel is critical of Babylon's misplaced arrogance, it credits Babylonia as being the birthplace of many cultures, languages, and civilizations. After Genesis, Babylon is synonymous with evil and greed. God used Babylon to punish Judah when she had strayed too far from the covenant and refused to repent. Despite serving as God's agent of punishment, Babylon then becomes the target of God's wrath as he swore to vindicate his covenant people. They are the villains of the Old Testament because they were the army that ransacked Jerusalem, looted and burned the first temple, and carted off Judeans into captivity. The Babylonian threats, siege, and attack on Jerusalem in 586 CE and its consequences are addressed in Kings, Chronicles, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, Lamentations, Psalms, and Daniel. It would be difficult to find a book in the latter half of the Old Testament that does not directly reference or allude to Babylon in some way. As for the Babylonian religion, the Babylonians were polytheistic like everyone else in antiquity, apart from Israel. The gods they esteemed numbered into the thousands. Babylonia's gods were adaptations of the Sumerian gods but given Semitic names. The Sumerian An became Babylonia's Anu, the god of the heavens. The Sumerian Enlil was the same in Babylonia and continued as the god of the lands. The Sumerian Enki was Babylonian's E, god of the sweet waters. Anu, Enlil, and E were the leading gods in their pantheon, apart from Marduk. Most cities had a temple associated with their patron god or goddess. Marduk was by far the most celebrated patron deity in the Babylonian pantheon because he was the god associated with the city of Babylon. Enuma Elish is an ancient Babylonian creation myth that described how the gods developed a hierarchy. In Enuma Elish, Tiamat, the goddess of salt water, became irritated with all the other gods and plotted to have them killed. When the gods learned of Tiamat's plot, they asked Marduk to fight her, which he did. Marduk killed Tiamat in an epic battle. 
From her body, he created the heavens and the earth and established his primacy in the pantheon. The Babylonians were not so much one native people as they were a combination of many ethnic groups, like the Amorites and Kassites, who assimilated over the years as they occupied the land known as Babylonia. Babylonia refers to the city of Babylon and the region of southern Mesopotamia. In modern geography, Babylonia corresponds with southern Iraq, Kuwait, and parts of western Iran. The most important cities of ancient Babylonia were along the Euphrates River and its tributaries. At certain points in the history of Babylon, under the leadership of expansionist rulers like Hammurabi or Nebuchadnezzar II, the boundaries of Babylonia branched out even beyond southern Mesopotamia. Akkadian was the official language of the Babylonian Empire. Akkadian was a Semitic language and one of the earliest written languages in history. Although there were many other dialects in the empire, they used Akkadian for administrative, literary, and religious purposes. By the first millennium BCE, Aramaic, another Semitic language, became the second language of Babylonia. That's why the book of Daniel, written during the exile to Babylon, includes portions written in Aramaic. The book of Ezra also includes passages in Aramaic, a holdover from decades of exile in Babylon. What we refer to as Babylonian civilization first began around 2000 BCE with the rise of Amorite city-states in southern Mesopotamia. Around 1900 BCE, Amorites established the first dynasty in Babylon, but they had to compete for broader regional control with other Amorite city-states and dynasties. Hammurabi is by far the most famous king of this time, ruling from about 1792 to 1750 BCE. As the sixth ruler of the Amorite dynasty, Hammurabi is famous for his creation of an established legal code, but he is also responsible for aggressive military campaigns that expanded the borders of his kingdom. He masterfully established diplomatic relations with neighboring lands and subdued other rivaling Amorite dynasties. By the end of his reign, he was in control of all southern Mesopotamia. After Hammurabi's death, his successors continued to rule for the next 150 years, but they were not at the same level as Hammurabi the empire was reduced and economically struggled. The Kassites appeared on the scene around the time that Hammurabi's successors were losing control of the empire. Although no one knows the exact origins of the Kassites, their army began applying pressure on the northern region of Babylonia. Eventually, the Kassites filled the political vacuum in Babylonia and established solid dynastic rule there for 400 years longer than any other dynasty in Babylon's history. Scholars refer to this period as the Middle Babylonian period, and it was a relatively stable time. Even though the Kassites were foreign, they adopted the old Babylonian culture in almost every way except their dynastic names. They even left Babylon as a religious and cultural capital and moved their own capital to Baghdad. Kassite rule fell around the end of the Late Bronze Age, and like most other empires in Mesopotamia, historians don't know the reason behind their fall, but it was most likely a combination of factors, environmental and political. 
From the 12th century to the 8th century, Babylonia became so weakened that there was little hope of resisting the Assyrian takeover. For decades, Babylonia was nothing more than an Assyrian vassal, along with the rest of the ancient Near East, including the kingdom of Israel and Judah. By the 7th century BCE, the Assyrian Empire weakened because of internal strife, revolts among its vassals, and external pressures from other groups on the rise. This weakening of Assyria allowed Babylon to join ranks with other disgruntled vassals, like the Medes, and attack Assyria's capital city, Nineveh. In 612 BCE, they destroyed Nineveh. It did not take long for the rest of the Assyrian Empire to collapse. Once Babylon restored its independence, they were determined to revive Babylon to its former prestige with ambitious military campaigns across the former Assyrian Empire. An essential piece of Babylon's comeback story was a series of powerful rulers on the throne, especially King Nabu-Palassar and King Nebuchadnezzar II. Their program of aggressive territorial expansion eventually landed them in Judah. Babylon plays a significant role in the story of the Old Testament. With its presence permeating both the writings and the narratives, prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel portray Babylon as the instrument of God's judgment upon the unfaithful Judahites. It's almost as if Babylon was an unwitting pawn as God sought to teach his people a lesson on covenant faithfulness. At the same time, the Bible depicts Babylon as a symbol of idolatry, pride, and oppression. For the prophet Isaiah, Babylon was the personification of evil. Habakkuk portrayed Babylon as a greedy oppressor hunger for territorial expansion. God promised to vindicate Judah and make Babylon pay for its sin. The prophet Jeremiah, who argued that there was no point in resisting the Babylonian army, also assured that one day God would see to Babylon's destruction. After Babylon destroyed Jerusalem and took much of the population into captivity, Babylon became the backdrop for the continued story of the covenant people. The entire book of Daniel transpired in Babylon's royal court during the days of the powerful Neo-Babylonian Empire. Daniel is partially the story of how God humbled Babylon's leaders with signs and wonders, and it is also provided an example of how God remained with the faithful even while they were in exile. Babylon made its way into the New Testament as a code name for every evil entity that persecuted God's chosen people. In the book of Revelation, Babylon is a metaphor for empires of the past, present, and future. Sadly, Israel has never run out of Babylonians. Whether it be the Greeks, Romans, Nazis, or Hamas, every generation has had to face down the Babylon of its day. But I'm not saying that to discourage Bible believers, but to encourage you. Because one thing you might notice over the course of our study of peoples of the Bible is that Israel is the only one left standing. The Philistines, Hittites, Amalekites, Canaanites, and all the rest have disappeared. And so will Hamas. But Israel will still be standing. Am Israel Chai. That's it for the Babylonians. Thank you for listening, and please continue to participate in this mini-course on Peoples of the Bible. Next week, we are learning about the Canaanites. For the show transcript, go to our blog or sign up for our emails at thejerusalemconnection.us. Send me a message, and I'll respond. Bible Fiber is available on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast.